0: Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we have Tiffany Tomes. Tiffany holds a bachelor's of kinesiology degree and is a neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis coach and trainer. She's also a certified yin yoga teacher and meditation teacher. In the last three years alone, she's worked with thousands of people all around the world to help them recover and evolve out of the self-sabotage and burnout cycles, as well as teaching them the tools of NLP and hypnosis for greater self-mastery. In today's episode, we'll be talking about adrenal burnout, stress, and NLP. Please enjoy this episode. Before we head into today's episode, I am so excited to share some details with you from today's sponsor, Dr. Stephen Cabral, board-certified doctor of naturopathy and author of The Rain Barrel Effect, whom I've had on the show in the past. He has a really incredible offer for listeners today, and that is a complete mineral and metals at-home lab test Kit, and health coaching call for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling the state of the art at home health test allows you to discover your underlying root cause for high stress, brain fog, weight gain, headaches, skin rashes, poor sleep, inflammation, and so much more. No needles or blood required. Just a few snips of hair and you can discover your mineral deficiencies and heavy metal toxicities such as arsenic, aluminum, cadmium, and mercury. Once results are received, you will get a free consultation with one of Dr. Cabral's health coaches who will help you understand your results and provide you with a personalized wellness plan to take back control of your health and rebalance your body. Again, this is a limited time offer. Dr. Cabral is providing the lab tests and consultation to my listeners for free. You just pay shipping and handling. This is a $299 value. So head on over to stephencabral.com slash kat to reserve your test today. <laughs> Welcome to the Cat Katibi podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Tiffany. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Kat. I'm excited to be here.
0: Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about adrenal fatigue and stress. But before we begin... Can you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis coach and trainer?
1: Yeah. So I've been in the fitness industry, actually. I started in the fitness industry at 14, mostly because I was trying to heal my own body issues. I had terrible body dysmorphia, was like borderline anorexic at one point, and I just, I hated my own skin so much that I felt like if I could help other people enjoy being in their body, I would somehow, it would like rub off on me. So I started working with people then. And I think I brought, I bought into a lot of the quick fixes back then. How do you lose the 10 pounds in two weeks so that you can look great in that dress or that bikini for summer or whatever. And I didn't realize until much later that my body dysmorphia was coming A, from the trauma that I had experienced. I was abused by my stepmom growing up and I had always denied the impact. Like I, I didn't want to give her my power unconsciously. So I was like, oh, it didn't have that big of a deal on me. It didn't have that big of an effect, but it really did. And so it wasn't until I like completely hit rock bottom, was totally burnt out to the point where I couldn't even go a day at work without having to schedule in a nap. Because I just, at one point I got tested for chronic fatigue. I thought it was so bad. And the doctors were like, maybe not. And so it's really through my own healing journey and finding all the things that didn't work first that led me to the NLP, the hypnosis, and then helping people rewire their nervous system. So that's
0: interesting that you said you went to the doctors and they were like unsure. What did they tell you? What did they think was going on?
1: So they were like, you don't have all of the symptoms and you've just had like a complete life collapse. So I'm sure it's just that. And I already didn't, I already had a very healthy distrust of the medical system. And so I think that just further exacerbated that doctors just, not all doctors know what they need to know. Or we, I think what people tend to do is they say, oh, you're a doctor, so you should be able to fix whatever's wrong with me. But there's just so much information to know about the body and doctors don't, they just don't spend their time on that in med school. And so for me, it was, I was prescribed iron. I I was on iron supplements for 10 years, which totally destroyed my gut, but also made the problem worse. And we can talk a little bit about that. More recently, I was also told that I had low estrogen levels. And so I was supplementing estrogen, which made things like 10 times worse And then it was through my own research and really diving into the topics that I realized that most people are not actually iron deficient. And as women, I've been told like women are just naturally iron deficient because of their monthly cycle. And I was like, well, that makes sense. And if you do blood tests, it will show that you are iron deficient. But at the cellular level, what tends to happen is that people have too much iron that's trapped in their cell and they don't have enough copper, which opens the door to the cell for iron to go and do the things that it needs to do. And then on the other hand, if we have too much estrogen, man or woman has too much estrogen, it's actually toxic to the body and creates a stress response. So it keeps us in this stress loop and people don't realize. And it then impacts the amount of progesterone that we have, which is an anti-stress hormone, lowers that. And so the fatigue and everything else was just getting worse and worse. I was getting more irritable. I'm married now and my husband was like, "What's going on with you?" Cuz my sex drive plummeted and I was like, "It's not that I don't find you attractive, just my body is not working. Like I feel broken." And initially it started probably about 10 years ago with like healing my trauma. And I think that's where a lot of people will start when they're battling mental health issues or big life changes as they start with the trauma side of things. And I've realized over the last couple of years that if we don't recalibrate the nervous system, it doesn't matter how much mindset work we do, the body will keep us stuck in a place that we don't want to be.
0: Yeah. That's interesting that you should say that because a lot of my audience, they're women with hormonal imbalances. Things are going wrong. And I wonder, could it be coming from the stress that we face? That's mm. just like shifting our hormones around making our metabolism crazy, making us look crazy?
1: Yeah. So there's a book called Healing Your Metabolism by Kate Deering. And I highly recommend anybody who feels stuck to go into that. I have a degree in kinesiology, meaning I studied the body in depth. I studied nutrition. I studied all of these things. And this book just completely blew apart, like, literally everything that I thought I knew to be true. And I was like, man, I cut out dairy because I thought I was dairy intolerant when I actually just my gut was destroyed. And I've been talking about gut health for years to people as it relates to mental health, but I didn't think about the impact that it had on the body and how it just creates more and more inflammation. So stress, the food that we eat, trauma that we hold on to, like it all just plays in together and just creates this giant mess. And if we miss one piece, it can keep us stuck even though we're doing everything else. So true. So let's define adrenal fatigue. What is it? So adrenal fatigue, and some doctors will say, oh, that's not really a thing. Your glands can't get tired. And then other doctors will say it is a thing. So I'm just going to acknowledge that now. But it's really just saying that our adrenal glands, which are tiny glands that sit on top of our kidneys, have been pumping out stress, hormones, cortisol, and adrenaline predominantly for far too long, and they can't keep up with the load anymore. It's really just a fancy term for burnout. They're pretty much the same thing. Now, if we think about our body health in general, think of your body as like the house that you live in, and you have your furnace, and you have like your main power sources, and that should turn on the lights and get the house to do everything that it wants. In our body, the equivalent to that is our thyroid gland. So our thyroid being able to function effectively is hugely important. When we are stressed out though, the stress hormones impact our thyroid gland from being able to function effectively. It impacts our liver and we need our liver to be involved to take one thyroid hormone that's inactive and turn it into the active form and it impacts a whole bunch of other things. So when we're in a state of stress, which most people are, what happens is the main power source, it's like our house goes into a blackout and our backup power generator comes on. And that's what your adrenal glands, your stress system is. It's not supposed to keep you going all day long. It's not your 24-7 energy source. But for most people, their thyroid is so run down, they have so much inflammation in their body, they have so much stress in their life and that their body's carrying that they're relying on this power generator, this backup generator to power their body full time. And eventually it's going to run out of the resources to do what it needs to do. And so that's where we see people who are waking up in the middle of the night in cold sweats because the body is, okay, we need to take a break from producing cortisol but we need some sort of energy. So now we're getting adrenaline hits in the middle of the night and we're having these anxiety attacks or feel like we're having a heart attack or something in the middle of the night because we're getting these spikes of adrenaline. Now, crazily enough, we can live with our adrenal glands predominantly running our system for up to 13 years before we start to see the negative impacts of it. And this is where people are like, yeah, I'm really stressed, but like, I'm not having any of the issues that you say, or I'll start telling people, I put out a post last year. I got so much hate on it because people are just so in denial about it. And I said, here's a checklist of reason of signs that you're addicted to stress or that you're being run by your adrenal glands. And number one was you need coffee. Not, oh, I like the taste of coffee, but I need coffee. If I don't get my coffee in the morning, I cannot function. That's a sign. If you feel tired all the time, except after a workout, if you feel amazing after a workout, but you're like dragging your butt the rest of the time, that's a sign that your adrenal glands are your primary source of energy because that feel good moment is a hit of adrenaline. You're getting a hit of adrenaline while you're at the gym, and you just ride that wave until you feel like crap again. So, those are just two things, but people are like, Oh, how dare you call me out for the way that I've lived most of my adult life? And I'm like, I'm sorry, but so much of what's out in the world is giving you a quick fix, but in the long run, it's detrimental to your health. And so, I I had people come into a program last year where we were resetting the whole metabolism, and I said to them, they said, I want to lose weight. And I said, you need to be prepared that you might gain a little bit first, but you're going to lose it. And it's going to stay off because we're looking at sustainable like thyroid health. And if you're only eating 1,200 calories a day, for example, you're keeping your body in starvation. You're keeping your body in a stressed state and you can't thrive from that place, or at least not for very long. Yeah, that's so interesting. So I've had this problem
0: with people too. The coffee issue is big. People are crazy addicted. They get violently upset when I tell them it's bad for their hormones, for sleep, for so many things.
1: But what are you going to do? We're all stressed. In in that book that I mentioned, she actually talks about there are antioxidant benefits to coffee, but if you're drinking it black or you're drinking it without food, you're putting yourself in the stress cycle. So you at least have to get like some food in with you for you to actually reap the rewards of coffee instead of getting the detrimental aspect of it.
0: Yeah, but I have people who are telling me that they have insomnia and I find out that they're drinking coffee all day and wondering why they have insomnia.
1: Oh yeah, when you, and I know this is getting like real nerdy, so I won't go too long on it. But if you look at the half-life of coffee, like, if you're drinking coffee afternoon, after 12 p.m., wherever you live, and you can't figure out why you're sleeping at night, coffee is the reason why, because it takes so long for the body to break down the caffeine. So,
0: you mentioned those a few red flags. Are there any other ones that maybe people wouldn't even notice or even consider?
1: Yeah. There's a lot that we just consider as being, oh, this is just who I am or this is just normal in today's world. So things like you can't sit still. You always have to be doing something. So the people who are watching Netflix also have to be on their phone or also have to be like doing something else. If you can't just totally sit and chill, if you can't meditate, I hear from people all the time, "Oh, I know the meditation works for other people, but there it just doesn't work for me. My mind just goes." And I'm like, It's actually a sign that your body is addicted to stress. Like you have to be in a state of chaos for your nervous system to feel normal. And so that's a huge red flag. Always being tired. If you're not hungry in the morning, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just not a breakfast person. That's because your metabolism has slowed down so much to the point where your body is actually starving. If you're struggling to lose weight or... If you are like finding yourself really bloated or you have like belly fat, but you're fairly thin everywhere else, that's also a sign that there's just too much stress in the body. Mm -hmm.
0: A lot of these things I used to have in the past and I had to work through them and get over them. And then the pandemic hit and it it all came back. Sorry, it all came back, but so much worse. So now you have to relearn all the things to get back to balance. And it's this whole process restarts. And yeah. I feel like it's for so many people right now. They're maybe they're going through it for the first time. The
1: pandemic has been interesting. I, I feel like in the long run, we'll look back on it as a blessing in disguise because it has to a degree created a little bit of an awakening about, oh, like I have this stuff that I've been carrying around in terms of getting people to actually sit with their trauma and or adverse experiences, their emotional baggage, and just say. You know what, I do have some things here and I do need to work on it. I think it has brought to light how much fear is in society. It doesn't literally, doesn't matter what side of the debate you're on, just knowing how much fear can impact the body. And when you could be the most balanced person ever, I thought I was like, so good at like blocking out other energies. And then the pandemic hit and I was like having anxiety attacks every day. And I was like, this isn't even mine. I can just feel all the anxiety and fear around me. And I don't know how to like stop it on this big of a scale. So I think we've all had to step into self-care and self-healing and just self-awareness at a higher degree since the pandemic hit.
0: And a lot of people get mad at me because I'm like, I can't talk about it anymore. I don't wanna know about it. I don't care what's happening. Just stop talking to me about it. And they're like, you need to keep informed. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm okay. I need to keep sane and calm and relax. People get really
1: stirred up about this. And uh, honestly, that's just literally another sign of stress addiction. Like people, their nervous systems are so addicted to stress that they don't even realize or that they've created these justifications of, no, but I have to watch the news. And I thought that for a long time, I went through maybe mid last year and I deleted a whole bunch of Instagram accounts that I was following or put them on mute so that they wouldn't pop up. And I was like, I know where to go to find it. If I choose in that moment, oh, I have a question. I need some information answered, or I want to be informed right now. But I want to control that flow of energy to me and that flow of information. I just don't want to open my Instagram or open TikTok or whatever and just be hit with all this bad news all the time because it social media became no work no better than mainstream media last year, where it was like just constant in your face, whether it was hating on other people or we're all gonna die or whatever the message is. So I think when you start to recognize And if there's one thing that I can get people to take away from this podcast is like when your nervous system is addicted to stress, chaos feels normal and anything that's not chaotic or dramatic or stressful feels weird and people just don't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. So how can we find out if we have adrenal fatigue?
1: Are there any tests we should go and get? There are tests that you can go and get. What I recommend to people is to look at some of the things that I've just listed are, and where I really recommend people to start is looking at their morning temperature. So just keep a thermometer beside your bed, take your temperature first thing in the morning. If it's below 97.5, then that is a sign that your thyroid is not functioning properly. We should be about 97.5 to 98.8 in the mornings. And then that temperature should go up a little bit an hour after we eat. So if you remember, I'm never very good at this one, but if you can remember after you eat one hour later, take your temperature and it should increase by one degree from the temperature you had when you ate. Pay attention to when you get hungry. If you're just never feeling hungry, that's a sign that your thyroid's not functioning effectively, which means you're more likely to be in adrenal fatigue. Cold hands, feet, and nose is a sign of adrenal fatigue as well. And then you can look at things like your poop. And I know this is like a really weird (laughs) conversation to have, but if you're not pooping a minimum of six inches a day, or if it's coming out, if you have a hard time pooping, you're fairly constipated, or it's coming out like diarrhea, there's something going on there. And you can also do what we call the sesame seed test, or you can use corn or poppy seeds, whatever seed you want. But just eat a spoonful of sesame seeds and time how long it takes to come out. If it's coming out faster than 12 hours, your body is not absorbing any nutrients. And if it's taking longer than 24 hours, then you literally have crap rotting in your body. And so all of these can be signs that adrenal fatigue is coming or that we're there. And then just looking at your fatigue levels. If your sex drive is low, if you're just always tired, if you're always in a state of brain fog where you can't think or you can only have short bursts of thinking, then that's another sign that you've got too much stress in the body. And if you don't shut it down now, then the body will shut you down. So it's actually better to pay attention to these symptoms before you get to full-on adrenal fatigue. Don't wait until you're there and can't get out of bed. Do something about it sooner rather than later. And also, I honestly believe like we could dramatically reduce case numbers in the pandemic if people started addressing their stress levels because when your stress is high, your immune system is completely depleted.
2: Hi, this is Dr. Stephen Cabral, and I want to thank Kat for allowing me to share with all of you something we've now been able to help over a quarter million people around the world with. This is state-of-the-art at-home health testing that enables you to discover your underlying root cause reasons for your higher stress, poor sleep, lower mood, lower energy, low libido, low ambition, weight gain, inflammation, and so much more. This at-home lab testing is easy to complete with just a few snips of hair to discover your nutritional deficiencies as well as your heavy metal toxicities such as arsenic, mercury, aluminum, cadmium, and more. Once your results are mailed in, you'll then be able to speak with one of my certified health coaches to truly understand your results and you'll receive a personalized wellness plan to take back control of your health and rebalance your body. As a limited time offer for Cat's audience, we are offering your first at-home lab test completely free where you just pay for the shipping and handling. This lab has helped so many people around the world and I'd love to be able to introduce you to it as well. For details, go to stephencabral.com forward slash cat.
0: Yeah, I, I see that all the time. The people who are the most stressed
1: get the most sick. That's why it was interesting to me When the pandemic was happening and people were like, oh, but there was this guy who ran 10 miles a day. He Mm -hmm. was so fit and he got the coronavirus and died. And I was like, so just because somebody has a six pack does not mean they're actually healthy. There is a difference between fitness and health. And a lot of times what people, we see these people compete in like these figures competitions. If you, if you truly knew what they had to do, To get like that look, especially the women, you would know that is like the opposite end of the spectrum to health. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but just be aware of is, are we healthy? Are we fit? Or have we found a way to combine the two? And most people who are fit and healthy don't have the perfect six pack, but their metabolism, they can eat anything and not gain weight because their metabolism is so quick.
0: Yeah. I had that fight with my friends too. They're like, what about this guy? He runs however many miles a day and then he died. I'm like, it was overtraining, overtraining. That's a thing. And they just can't believe it. They're just like, no, if your body looks fit, you are healthy.
1: Yeah. There's a lot that we need to retrain people on when it comes to fitness and health for sure. So what happens when somebody starts to break the stress addiction cycle? So this is the interesting part because it's where most people are tempted to be derailed and say screw this totally doesn't work I'm just going to go back to my old way of doing things. So to talk about the stress addiction first the cor- the cortisol that our body produces is really what the body cells become addicted to. So if you compare stress addiction to like alcoholism Initially, the alcoholic might only need one drink to feel normal or to feel like that little buzz. And cortisol's not a horrible hormone if it's in moderation, right? We get spikes of cortisol in the morning to wake us up. That's what we're supposed to get. And then we'll get spikes of cortisol after every meal. And that helps move the glucose, for the sugars from our meal into our cells so that they can be used as energy. So it's not this horrible thing, but we should have a downward trend of cortisol throughout the day after the spike in the morning, because if our body's producing too much cortisol, we cannot produce melatonin, which means we're not going to go to sleep. And when I say this, people are like, our body actually produces melatonin. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. You don't just buy it in the store like your body does it naturally. So it's the cortisol that our body cells get addicted to and just like over time how the alcoholic one drinks not going to cut it anymore and now they need two or now they need three the line of baseline or the normal line that our body thinks is normal for cortisol is going to trend upwards over time and so when we start to break the stress cycle and for most people this happens either when they're going to therapy or when they're working with a mindset coach, right? So they start doing like that mental work and they don't have the stress from negative thoughts anymore. Or they don't have the stress from this. It can also happen in fitness. Like they drop 10 pounds or five pounds and all of a sudden their body's not as stressed carrying around extra weight. The number one withdrawal symptom is self sabotage. So, if you break like a sugar addiction, you're going to get a headache, you're going to be cranky for a couple of days, maybe 2 weeks. When we break a stress cycle, a stress addiction, we go into self sabotage. And if you've ever heard like Dr. Joe Dispenza talk about the body tricks the mind, this is what he's talking about. So, all of a sudden, we've taken away some of the stress that was causing our body to pump out cortisol. So, our body is getting less stress getting less cortisol, and the body cells physically say, excuse me, I need my hit, right? Just like the alcoholics say, no, don't take that bottle of vodka. I need this drink. The body cells start screaming out for cortisol. And so they'll, it'll throw us into a loop of self-sabotage, whether all of a sudden we start thinking negative thoughts again, and we're like, wait, I thought I dealt with this. I thought we did something here. Or you're like, oh, but I've been a good girl or a good boy all week. I'm just going to go and have this cheat meal. And then that becomes like a cheat day and a cheat week. And all of a sudden you're off the bandwagon, right? Or, oh, I can just go for this shopping spree. And now you have all this credit card debt that you've racked up in a day. The body will throw us into this self-sabotage spiral as a way of getting a cortisol. And so this is where most people say, oh, that fitness program or that mindset coach or this therapist, or they'll blame it on external factors. Oh, this is crap because I'm back in the same situation that I was in before. And so I can't do this or this doesn't work for me or whatever it is. But it's actually the body's like natural healing process. So this is where we have to really recalibrate the nervous system to get out of fight or flight. For me, this has been a massive, like massive learning curve because I I was abused growing up and previous to that, like my mom was abused while she was pregnant with me. And we know that the mom and the baby, the fetus, share a blood supply. So if the mom's stressed out, the baby's getting hit with that. So literally before I was even born into this world, my nervous system was getting hit with stress. And so it's been my default mode, right? Survival mode or fight or flight has been my default mode forever. And so it was interesting through the pandemic, I really noticed I I had done all this work on like money mindset and abundance and like letting go of scarcity mindset. And then the pandemic hit and like the economy is gonna collapse. That, That fear narrative came out and I spent two years, even though my business was growing and I was making more money than I had before and actually working less, I'm still in this place of every night. What if I never make another sale? What if I, nobody ever works with me again? And they're totally irrational thoughts, but anybody who's getting these intrusive thoughts, I had a client a couple weeks ago say to me, sometimes I'll be driving down the road and then I'll think what would happen if I just drove my car into the cement barrier? She's like, I'm not suicidal. Like I would never do it, but they just hop in my head out of nowhere And these intrusive thoughts are a sign that your body is your nervous system and your body are addicted or calibrated to stress. And so that's why when you go to meditate or you go on vacation and you're like, oh, I'm just going to have a totally chill vacation. You cannot relax until the last two or three days. And then it's time to go home because your nervous system is always on high alert. So knowing that self-sabotage is actually part of the healing process helps people move through and navigate.
0: Yeah, I remember that happened to me. I was on my honeymoon. I was in a stressful job. And then on my honeymoon, I could not relax. It was 10 days in Hawaii. We're traveling, everything's beautiful, and I'm calling my my office to see how the audit went. Who
1: does that? Completely insane. Yeah, and the society that we are in that's promoted this hustle and grind mentality has made that okay, but people don't realize like that's really a sign of being addicted to or having this scarcity mindset. And so I see so many people who like talk about abundance, but then their nervous system is stuck in stress. And I'm like, you have no idea how much more you could thrive if you would recalibrate the nervous system, because right now your body feels like it's just surviving. So
0: what are some maybe mistakes that people make when they're trying to recover?
1: So I'd say the biggest mistake that people make is having this all or none mentality of, I have to change everything now. This is why resolutions typically fail in the new year. People are like, okay, I'm going to get fit. So I have to start working out seven days a week and I have to eat every meal totally clean and get eight hours of sleep and drink two gallons of water and all this other stuff. And, that actually puts more stress on the nervous system. And studies have actually shown there was a really interesting study done in a neuroscience lab at Stanford that shows the body actually has a quitting circuit. And so when our stress levels get too high, if you've ever heard of the polyvagal theory, they talk about this there too. If our stress levels get too high, and this is like cumulative stress levels, not necessarily in the moment. So if you're working out a lot, which is a stress, the body doesn't say, oh, this is a good stress and that's a bad stress, it just knows stress. So If you're working out a lot and you've got a stressful job and you're making all these changes around money and you're carrying around this emotional baggage and all this other stuff, and then you attempt to make all these changes to hit your goals, your body will actually shut itself down. The quitting circuit will be activated and you will not have control over your body. I got pregnant at the end of last year and I was like, okay, I cannot move. I am so tired right now. I just cannot move. And I had just gone through a two-year journey of like healing my metabolism, healing my body, which is probably why I ended up getting pregnant. My body was like, oh, we can actually be fertile again because you're you're healthy. But I was just so tired. And I was like, now I know how the quitting circuit feels. Like I literally, I can't lift my laptop. Like it is too heavy for me. And so the all-or-none mentality sets us up for failure. So the biggest thing that I would say to people is pick one thing and make one change at a time. What I'd tell people is if you make a list of all the stressors that you have in your life, and if that's going to stress you out to do that, then don't do it. But if you make a list of all the stressors that you have or all the changes that you want to make. Then you can ask yourself, okay, what's going to take 20% effort, but give me an 80% return. And if possible, when you're making these changes, you'll make one a week. If you're somebody who's not made a lot of change in the past, then it might be one change every two weeks or even one change a month. This is where slow and steady definitely wins the race. You're going to get there faster in the end than if you try and do everything and then fall off and then try and do everything again. So what's going to take 20% effort, give me an 80% return. And if possible, what can I add to my life instead of taking away? So what we know is that there's this thing in the, in the mind called the reticular activating system or the RAS and everything that we focus on tells the reticular activating system to go find more of that thing. So I had a client who came to work with me. She was quite obese She's drinking two liters of Coke a day. And she goes, I know you're going to tell me to quit drinking Coke. And I've tried before. I just, I can't. And I was like, actually, what I'm going to tell you to do is to drink two liters of water before you have any Coke. I don't care if you have Coke, but you have to drink two liters of water first. So now if we put, you can't drink Coke into the mind, what picture did you just get? Coke. And so then the the mind goes out and looks for more opportunities to drink Coke So when we talk about water first, her mind is going to be programmed to finding water. And after you've drank two liters of water, you're not going to want to drink much Coke. Definitely not two liters because you're going to be already going to the bathroom so much. So we literally broke her Coke addiction that she had been trying to break for years in a matter of weeks because we added something in. So it's better to add something to your life than it is to take something away And we know that we only have so much room in our life for things. So if we add something, other things are naturally going to fall. So that would be the biggest uh, mistake that I say people make when they're trying to heal.
0: What do people need to consider when they start the healing and recovery process? Is there anything that they need to know?
1: I would say don't discount the emotional baggage that you're holding on to. A lot of people that come to work with me, I had this one woman who's been following me on social media for years And it wasn't until I really started talking about the stress aspects that she came to work with me. And she said, I think I have some of the stress addiction that you're talking about. But then when we started diving into it, she had a domestic violence relationship. She knew that, but she didn't realize how much of the baggage that she was holding on to still. She thought she'd done a lot of the work. And for me, this was the case as well. It was with my stepmom. It only was up until the age of 10. It was only every other weekend. So I justified why it wasn't that bad. And what I want people to know is that trauma comes in all forms. So trauma is not actually the event, but it is the lasting impact on our nervous system after the event. And it's any event that causes us to think that or causes us to feel like our needs specifically to be safe and to be loved weren't being met. So if you had a parent who worked a lot or you had a parent with a mental health issue, and they were just emotionally not present, or you felt like you had to take care of them. We could literally talk for days about what makes up what could be considered traumatic to the body, especially to the childhood mind and body. And so I would say don't discount how heavy that can be and how much stress that puts on your nervous system, because it causes so many physical health issues, but also mental health issues. Most I think over the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to see a huge change in this in the psychology field where we're going to see less talk of hormonal imbalance when it comes to depression, anxiety, bipolar. And we're going to see more talk of that's how the nervous system adapted to the traumas that were experienced. And so people will start trading the trauma instead of just with medications.
0: So this might be a weird question, but like. How does your thinking have to change? Let's say you want to do something like you want to lose weight, or I don't know, let's use that. So, let's say you want to lose weight. How does your thinking have to change in order to deal with the
1: stress and
0: achieve yeah. your goal?
1: So, most people, when they set a goal, they focus on the behavior that needs to change. So, like, I want to lose weight, so I need to work out more or I need to eat less crappy foods. But our behaviors, come from the belief systems that we hold on to. And so whatever the belief systems that you were that you have, and as adults, 95% of the belief systems we have, good and bad, were installed in the mind between the ages of zero and seven. So before we even understood the world, our belief systems were created. And so we have to dive into what are the belief systems that have caused me to create these old patterns of behavior And this is what's going to get people the sustainable change where we see the dramatic transformations of people losing a ton of weight and just never going back. It even like physically changes how you look. I've seen people like drop 20 years from their face, like in one session. And I'm like, what just happened? Did I go into a time portal or something that I didn't know existed? Because it has such an impact on the body. So When it comes to like health and fitness, for example, for women, some of the most common reasons that I see for them, the limiting beliefs that created the patterns of behavior that caused them to put on weight were things like if there's been any sexual or physical abuse, definitely women have a tendency to put on weight to avoid looking attractive to a predator. So to decrease their chances of it happening again. Also things like if I'm like, it's not okay to stand out in today's society, like thin women tend to be considered more attractive. I'm not, I'm just making generalizations. I'm not saying that's my opinion, but they tend to get more attention. And so if there's also like worthiness issues or you were criticized or judged or rejected every time that you stood out from the crowd, then that can cause you to not want to lose the weight, not want to draw attention to yourself. If you have a family who engages in, or your family connects through like food or alcohol or through the unhealthy behaviors that caused you to put on the weight in the first place, that can be really challenging to shift that mindset of being okay to be rejected by your family, essentially, if you stop doing the things. Like when I stopped drinking and I don't really have alcoholics in my family, but they're very social drinkers. Alcohol is A kind of staple in my family. And so when I just stopped drinking and I was like, I'll have a glass of wine here and there, but I don't need to get wasted every weekend. My family was like, What's wrong with you? And I totally, I was already a little bit of the black sheep, but I've totally became the black sheep of who do you think you are? What's wrong with you? You think you're better than us? And I'm like, It literally has nothing to do with that. I just want to be healthy. And so I want people to know as well if your friends and family aren't supporting your goals, it has nothing to do with you. If you've ever heard the saying, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with when they change your average, but when you change their average. So if you become healthier or you start making more money or you start making all these positive changes in your life, you raise their average unintentionally, which means you've made the conscious choice to step out of your comfort zone. I'm going to start going to the gym, even though it's uncomfortable and I'm just going to deal with the discomfort. But they are pulled out of their comfort zone without making that decision themselves. And so they find themselves in a state of fight or flight and they don't really know why. So if they're like belittling you, I remember I had a family member make a comment to me when I was totally changing my health and reducing all the stressors say to me, You're gonna feel really stupid lying in a hospital bed dying of nothing one day. I was like, What does that even mean? What? But it was just like just these like little comments that it's almost it feels like death by a thousand cuts. And this is where we have to mentally become okay with setting boundaries and being okay if people leave our life. Whether that's permanently or temporarily, at the time we never know. But we have to be okay saying, I'm allowed to put myself first. I'm allowed to put my health first. I'm allowed to put my mental health first. I'm allowed to put my my needs first. And if there's other people who are not okay with that, family or not, then if they're not okay with that, then that's that's something that they're just gonna have to do. Yeah, I went through
0: that the same thing because I don't drink. I never have, I just never felt the need for it. So I'm constantly being made fun of, or said, Oh, you're no fun, or what's wrong with you? Or were you an alcoholic? No, I never drank. You've never been drunk, no, I haven't. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Or when I was very thin they're just like, what, why are you like, do you not eat? It's, yeah, I eat. Why don't you have dessert? I don't want dessert. Like, how could you not want dessert? <laughs> and it was just like, every time we try to make a change or if I'm exercising, they'll eat popcorn in front of me <laughs> or something like that. Anything to sabotage. And I know yeah. it's because they don't want to feel bad about themselves.
1: Yeah. the The healthier I became, the more I realized that I was gluten intolerant and like just how uncomfortable and like bloated and cranky eating gluten made me feel. And so I was like, okay, I'm gl- I'm gluten intolerant. I'm just taking it out of my life. And I, my family was like, how do you know you're gluten intolerant? Because none of us are. And I'm like, but how do you know? Because you drink regularly, you eat crappy foods regularly. Like, how do you know? How good your body is supposed to feel. And most people just don't know how good their body is supposed to feel. So they're like, it's normal to get bloated or it's normal to be gassy or it's normal to have stomach pains after you eat. And I'm like, it's really not. Like those are even, it's normal to have cramps and PMS when a woman's on her cycle. It's actually not. Those things are not normal, but they've been normalized in society to sell us a pill or to sell us a potion so that other companies can make money.
0: Yeah, they never tell us um, it's what you're eating. It's always oh that's just genetic. Here's a pill.
1: Yeah, even we're having a baby in 2022, and so my husband has ADD, and we've been looking at it, and I'm like, ADD in kids is primarily caused by their diet. Yes, there's some genetic ties to it, but a lot of it is like the preservatives and like the the dyes and the chemicals that they put in our food. So I don't want to be feeding our kid like Cheetos and all these other foods that were normal for me growing up because. They're full of crap that can impact how their brain works.
0: Yeah. Side story about having kids. Is this your first one? It is, actually. Yeah. So I was a lot like you. I didn't want to give any of the bad stuff to my daughter. So she didn't get any of the bad stuff. And this is what she did in preschool. She would say, Oh, we don't have food because she didn't have the candies and the cookies and the baked goods and all that stuff at home. So I did not know this until the end of her preschool four years in that the other families thought we were poor. So they were bringing extra junk food to give her at preschool. And I was wondering why every time I picked her up, she was like hysterically crying and whining and just not herself. And it was because she was getting all this junk food. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So it's a fun, it's a fun battle.
1: Yeah, that's funny. I I know. I'm like, we're going to just have to figure out how to navigate that. I still haven't gotten there, but I've got a couple months, so. Yes.
0: So let's see, what have we not gone over? So what are some simple things that people can do in their day-to-day life to help
1: minimize their stress levels now? So I would say biggest things I would recommend that are like super easy swaps is look at your hygiene products So there are so many, and it's interesting, I've been talking about this for years and people have been rolling their eyes. And then like in 2021 alone, there was a deodorant recall, a sunscreen recall, and I think it was a toothpaste or something else recall, because they realized that these products had cancer causing, they had carcinogens. And I'm like, how did they just find this out? Because I've known this for like years. So things like removing the fluoride from your toothpaste. We personally use Tom's brand, but there's other fluoride-free toothpaste out there. Uh, You can look at getting aluminum-free deodorants. Again, we use, Tom's is a really good uh, brand that we use. When women are getting ready in the morning, like just having a shower, washing your hair, putting on your makeup, lotioning, we come into contact with 160 different chemicals that disrupt hormones, that have carcinogens, that do all sorts of gross stuff to the body. So, I tell people like just start there. One of the one of the companies that I use, I have no affiliation with them, but is Beauty Counter. I like them because they don't they do all their own testing on all if there's a product that they're going to use and they're like we're not sure the long-term impacts, they won't use it until they can do some tests on it and find out for themselves if it's going to create issues in the body. But they also have a platform and a branch of their business where they actually lobby Congress to make changes. So a lot of people don't realize like here in the U S there have been no changes to the laws of Congress about what chemicals can go into our products and our food and whatnot since 1938. And there's been like thousands of new chemicals produced since that time. In the U.S., there's less than 100 chemicals that are banned for use in our products. In Canada, it's a little bit higher. In the U.K. Uh, and Europe, it's like 1,200. And so Beauty Counter actually has a list of 1,400 chemicals that are on their no-use list. So they don't put any of that into their products. So, And if you don't want to use Beauty Counter, just look for like organic natural. There are so many options and brands out there that you can get now, but I would say swapping your hygiene products is going to be a good way to reduce a lot of the hidden stressors that you don't even know is there. And then incorporating some mindfulness into your life and recognize that this is a practice. You're not going to get it right the first time. You might only start with a minute of mindful breathing or a minute of meditation and then build up over time, but give your nervous system time to adapt and be like, okay, it's okay for me to relax right now and nothing's going to harm me or kill me. And yeah, and just starting to be more mindful. So whether that's journaling, meditation, mindful breathing, just like sitting and paying attention to different feelings in your body. One of the things I like to get my clients to do is just sit and if they feel like tension or pain, in an area of their body, just imagine what that pain looks like. Like maybe it's a triangle, maybe it's a square and going into that square and just saying, what is the message that you want to give me now? Because every pain and every tightness in our body is actually just a message from our body. And so if we just attempt to power through and we never actually listen to our body, then we don't know what it's telling us. But if we start asking these questions and you can visualize like going in, to the pain and saying, Hey, what do I need to know? You can get some really powerful messages sometimes. One good thing that came from the
0: pandemic was that I was finally in the position to not wear makeup or anything for months. So I completely detoxed, And then when I reintroduced, I only did one product at a time and I use only the natural products or I started making my own. I made, now I make soaps and lotions and all these things that I never did before. And I will say it's a 100,000 times better on the
1: skin, on the body, on everything. And your skin just looks better, too. Like, I only use a tinted moisturizer from Beauty Counter. And when I first started wearing it, it was when I first met my husband. And people were like, oh, you have that? You're in Love Glow. I think it's actually my makeup. But maybe it's both. I don't know. But, like, your skin just looks and feels better. Like, I had acne problems all through teenage years, even into my adult life. And then when I swapped to the clean products, it was like a game changer, acne gone. I've never loved my skin so much.
0: Yeah, we have no idea what it's like to be without those products for an extended period of time because there's that cycle of you have acne, cover it up. So you never see what it's like after months of nothing. So I before we go, I wanted to ask you a little bit about neuro-linguistic programming. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you use it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So NLP or Neuro Linguistic Programming, anybody who's heard of Tony Robbins, that's what he's trained in. Brendan Burchard, Dean Graziosi, they all use it in different ways. But it basically, so the neuro stands for our brain. So it's understanding how do beliefs, how are beliefs created, how are limiting beliefs created, how do they impact us, how can we swap limiting beliefs for empowering beliefs and whatnot. It also looks at how our emotions play into that, how the connection between emotions and beliefs and how they tie into each other. The linguistics is about the words that we use and understanding that it's, most people think the conscious mind is in control and this is the part of the brain that we are aware of. So as you're listening to this podcast and you're like, Oh, I never knew that, or I need to do that. That's your conscious mind but that's actually only 4% of your mind's capacity, but it's what people think is in control. The unconscious mind is where all your emotions, limiting beliefs and good beliefs and memories are stored. And so that's 96% of the mind's capacity keeps the body going and it really drives our behavior. So this is where I said before, if you're just focusing on the behaviors, you're focused on the 4%. Whereas if you start working on the belief systems behind the behaviors, that's where you're working on the 96% and like the kind of the puppet master, so to speak of your life. And so a lot of people will use language that they either don't even realize is having an impact. Most people don't even pay attention to what they're saying. And so they're constantly like keeping themselves in a negative state just through their thoughts. And what. so with the linguistic section, we look at, How are the words that we use, both in our thoughts and in our verbal communication, impacting the reality that we create? So we understand that there is no one reality. You and I can both go and see a movie. One of us loves it. One of us hates it. Neither of us is wrong. We just have our own different realities. And so that we can actually change our reality by changing the beliefs, changing the emotions, and changing the words that we use. So I hear a lot of times people will say they'll keep themselves in their own state of hypnosis. Some people are afraid of hypnosis when they come to work with me. They're like, I don't want to be hypnotized to quack like a duck. And I'm like, that's not even that's the entertainment form of hypnosis. But we're being hypnotized by ourselves every day, by the media, by Hollywood, by music, by the government, by like every ad is a form of hypnosis, and so people keep themselves hypnotized whenever they whenever they say the words "I" or i am," whatever comes after that becomes a hypnotic pattern. So when people say things like oh, "I'm so broke," what happens is that reticular activating system I talked about before will go out and it goes, "Okay, she wants to be more broke." It doesn't have any capacity for logic and reason, so it doesn't say, "Well." That doesn't make sense that she'd want to be broke. Does she really want to be broke? It just goes, okay, broke was the input setting. That's what I'm going to go find. So just if I opened a Word document on my computer and I typed broke, my computer wouldn't go, I think she means she wants to be rich. Let's just auto correct this. None of that happens. And so the linguistic section helps us really understand how to communicate to our unconscious mind, but also to other people's unconscious minds so that we can have more influence and then the P, the programming, is understanding how the combination of the emotions, the beliefs, and the words that we use create our habits, our reality, the behaviors that we engage in. So there are ways to make change to the mind without using NLP. You can use affirmations. You can you know, use the habit trackers and whatever else. But you have less margin for error there. And it tends to take a lot longer. So if you constantly have a negative belief of I'm going to run out of money and you just use like affirmations and whatnot to reprogram that, you have to be 100% focused on changing that belief system 100% of the time. Whereas NLP gives us tools where we can go in and we can reprogram old beliefs, we can uninstall a negative belief and install an empowering belief very quickly. And most people who come through my programs are like, there's no way this can work. There's one really cool technique that I start people with, where we take a food that people love, but is probably not so healthy, chocolate, cake, whatever. And we reprogram it into something that they would never want to put in their mouth. And people are like, they they always want to prove me wrong. They're like, oh, sure this isn't going to work for me, but I've had people who have not drank cake or not eaten cake for three years who have completely quit drinking Coke or Mountain Dew or Diet Coke or whatever it was that they were drinking like that. People stopped eating bread, stopped eating all sorts of things. And then they'll go. We usually do that right before lunch. And so they'll go for lunch and they're like, I'm going to order a burger with a bun and I'm going to show her that I can do this. And then the way the server comes, and they're like, oh, "I'm gonna have a salad, please." And they're like, "I totally forgot about like the bun option, so it just allows us to go into the unconscious mind and make change very quickly so that we don't we can get long-term transformation without having to go through like the battle that comes with change sometimes. Can
0: you make it so that someone feels that exercise is fun and not a stressful
1: event? Yeah, absolutely. You can, so it's just about reprogramming like the trigger or the meaning that we give things and we can absolutely do that.
0: That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty, like I've been doing it for years and I've seen some pretty crazy transformations, but even still now, I, I still get blown away about the transformations that happen.
0: Can you give us an example of maybe someone that, I don't know, like a, a specific example of, what you, what someone was telling themselves in their mind unconsciously and how you reprogrammed it.
1: Yeah. So I tend to combine the NLP with a little bit of hypnosis and I use the hypnosis predominantly to go in and clear out specific incidences of trauma. So I had a woman come to me, it'd be three years in August that she came to me this year. And she like constantly every day was just like, Borderline suicidal. Like, I just don't want to live anymore. I'm such a loser. All these types of thoughts. Had a terrible relationship with her mom, terrible relationship with her dad, who's a little bit of a narcissist. So that one's understandable. And over the course of using NLP and hypnosis, she's in a place now where, firstly, she went from being the kind of person who would just blend into the background. Like, she was so unhappy that you could look in a crowd of people and you probably wouldn't even see her. She's gorgeous, but you just probably wouldn't see her because there was like, it was like the light had gone out. And now like she is magnetic. She, the light has come back on and she'll say to me, she'll message me and be like, she would honestly have a mental breakdown almost every single day. Like it did not take much to make her cry. And then she would just like spiral into this like victim place of I'm such a loser. And why does this always happen to me? And now she'll message me and say, my dad said something rude to me today. And I just said, you know what? This behavior is not okay. And I'll just hang up the phone and I'm fine with it. And I don't get worked up about it. Or she's, I don't want to die anymore. Like I genuinely want to live and has started making plans for going out and living her life. We worked on a lot of her work while, while it was during the pandemic, but now she's like, making all these plans to go travel and to, you know, drive all around the US. And so it's just amazing to see. I had another woman who I mentioned before the time portal, she had just a life full of abuse, had been abused by almost everybody in her life. And on one of her last sessions with me, I looked down to, to write a note and I looked up and I was like, I like completely, I was like, I don't know what just happened, but you look 20 years younger. Like I'm not even joking. Like the wrinkles disappeared from her face. And I was like, I I don't I don't even know what happened. And then she went home and she was like, she texted me and she said, I love singing, but I haven't been able to sing in 10 years. Like I felt like there was like a block in my throat that I just couldn't sing. She's like, My favorite song came on the radio, and I just busted out a tune and like that lump is gone and it just felt so good to sing. So it's crazy people come to work with me and they're like, okay, what are the changes that we're going to make? And I'm like, I can't tell you, like I can, I know you're going to have more confidence. You're you know, going to be able to speak up for yourself. You're going to stand in your power. But beyond that, I don't know what your body is going to do with this. And the transformation literally never ceases to astound me. I have somebody who's come to see me who's had chronic stomach pains. We're still working through his, but he's had chronic stomach pains for so long. And he's, they're gone. Like I don't wake up with like pain in my stomach every single morning anymore. And he's, I don't even know how people live like their entire life without doing these. And they just deal with their pain. I just don't know how that happens. So it's pretty amazing. And do you
0: think that neuro-linguistic programming works on everybody? Because I know for hypnosis, I tried it before and it didn't work on me. And I'm wondering if that's one of those things where it either really
1: works or it doesn't. So with hypnosis and NLP, it absolutely has the ability to work on everybody. It depends on a couple of things. You have to be comfortable enough with the person, the practitioner that's doing it. You also have to be in the right state of mind. So if my clients have had a super stressful day, I'll just tell them this time that we had booked in for the session. I want you to go and practice self-care because if you're like mentally already stressed we're not going to be able to access your mind because your brain just won't let us go there. It won't let us into the subconscious mind because it already feels like you're under attack. And and some people, we have to do some work on the nervous system first to be able to even get started with the hypnosis work. They're such in a state of fight or flight. We have to do that recalibration work of the nervous system first, or at least a little bit of it, start it, so that we can calm the body enough to go in. It's like meditation. It will work for everybody, but we have to get the sequencing right to be able to access it. Interesting. So
0: how can everybody work with you and where can they find you online?
1: Yeah. So the best place would be to connect with me through one of my social media channels. We are revamping my website right now. You're welcome to go there, but we're just revamping it. So it's gross right now. The website is bluelotusmind.com. My social media platforms are all Tiffany Toombs. So facebook.com forward slash tombs. And then my YouTube channel is Tiffany Toombs as well. And I put a lot of educational videos out on there and that'll lead you to any of the offers or anything that I have out.
0: And do you work with people one-on-one or do you have
1: group sessions or how does that work? I have both available to people and then I put out a lot of free content as well. So depending on what people want, where their budgets lie, we've got both group and one-on-one options for people. Awesome. Is
0: there anything else you would like to share with the audience before we go? I would say
1: the biggest thing would be start just paying attention to how many like negative or intrusive thoughts you have and then just start questioning those that that's coming from this state of stress from these old limiting beliefs that have been created. And you can start reprogramming them without NLP. If you just start asking questions like, how do I know this is true?
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. And I will put all of those in the show notes. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. Please show your support for the podcast by leaving a five-star review. Learn more about the show and what I have to offer you at catkatib.com. Consider being a part of the new Patreon, where episodes are ad-free and you'll find extra bonus content. Send a voicemail question or email me. Check the show notes for more information. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahoum of Feminescence and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony and their maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones there's nothing quite like it so go to feminescence.com enter code CAT15, 15 kat k-a-t-1-5 for 15% off any of their single pack products and definitely go check out the episode just search for mona fahum on my podcast and listen you won't regret it This podcast is for informational, merry-makings, and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including KakaTB, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.